0: Check one, check two. I'm the anchor slash rapper that you never thought would happen. Commentary gave it cracking like pads when they start whacking Like studio, audience, audio It's the Rob You Sports Do Show Is that so? Rob You Sports Countdown to kick off I spark conversation like flicking the big off Late night flows and show like Leno, sports book poly Like Vegas Reno Bodyguard Nino and Sky Boss Casino The Nino from Goodfella from food And beverage Robbie, Robbie, you Pharaoh, Knicks, Golden Boy, two leverage, Bengal, jackpot, plays like Tracy Yete. It's Rob, you sports your Huddle, get set, ready. It's Rob, you sports. Get huddle, get set, ready. It's Rob, you sports. Your huddle, get set, ready. Season six, here we go. Keep it steady. Little something, little something, man. You know. Welcome back to the Rob You Sports Stu Show, NFL 2023. Winding down the preseason as we look ahead to the regular season of the NFL. A lot of excitement for fans everywhere as we get closer and closer to the regular season beginning as the preseason winds down. Still a few teams still trying to tighten up on some final points of the game and polish it up for the regular season. And of course, we've had certain players under scrutiny in the preseason for their performance or lack thereof and how they will continue to evolve and, you know, Progress as players in certain systems with certain teams as they acquire weapons or as these teams lose players for free agency or trying to hold out for a better payday or as we've seen within the running back market, running backs having to team up for a conference call just to try to get the attention of owners to understand that these running backs are united in the way they feel about being compensated at their position. So we'll see how things transpire in the Jonathan Taylor situation with Colts on the Ursay. as Irsay was say, saying some things to the effect of if Jonathan Taylor didn't play, it wouldn't matter. And then the team is now giving him permission to seek a trade. So we'll see if Jonathan Taylor can get any takers and suitors that meet the requirements that the Colts have set to trade for this top-notch running back, Jonathan Taylor. And other sports news, there was recent ESPN firings and just my personal opinion of some of the firings. I mean, I understand they had some, some people that maybe had to go <laughs> or they had some people that maybe they felt that they were getting bigger than ESPN or ESPN felt like they didn't want to endorse this person with so much of their woke views and you know they try to take over the word woke and use it to their own devices but basically there's been a lot of ESPN firings of some decent and some good talent some of my worst decisions of the NF of the ESPN firings in my opinion was the firing of uh Keyshawn Johnson uh, Max Kellerman, Jalen Rose—those were, you know, some of my favorites of the people that they did decide to let go. Also, it was controversial that they decided to let go season NBA coach Mark Jackson, and with his experience as a player and a coach, and somebody who was there with the foundation of the Golden State Warriors, for them to let go of him, and also Jeff Van Gundy, who's been a, a you know, a coach in the league as well in the NBA. But maybe because of their strict and, you know, very critical views on the NBA officiating, there was a conflict of interest with the NBA, you know, having a partnership with the ESPN. And, you know, also ESPN losing money with so many people cutting cords and also seeking to get their sports news from other places. And there's recently been things coming out where, you know, it's, there's been ESPN personalities who have been clashing with, you know, youtubers and also former athletes and things of that nature. So the ESPN firings probably should have been a wake up call to a lot of people in journalism, in sports, because in sports journalism and this was something I really aspired to and went to college for at North Carolina AT and received my degree in as well. In journalism to me when ESPN was at its highest in the early late 90s and early 2000s in my opinion I think the journalism didn't have so much criticism and I think they focused more on the facts of course you had certain reporters whose job it was to kind of try to hold athletes under the fire or you know throw them under the bus but then also you have to look at different situations and different reasons that these outlets may have targeted certain athletes or certain situations you know Like, you know, the OJ you know, the OJ situation, that was that was something that, you know, a lot of a lot of journalists had a lot of things to say about that situation. Also where there was the Ray Lewis situation in the NFL, how how do people feel about the handling of it? And how would something like that be covered now? And you know, we we've seen that the networks don't want they don't want to lose market share to the other network. So they're going to keep being more edgy. They're going to keep having more argumentative debates and, you know, spirited debates and people, you know, conjuring up reasonings for their strong opinions on different sports athletes and things of that nature. And it's almost like now it's a shock factor. And I think previously in in sports journalism and news, it was more about reporting the facts. And if somebody did something wrong or there was a crime, I think it was more about facts and less about opinion. Like now, it seems like the the broadcasters with the biggest opinion and the biggest outrage or wild take or something opposing the popular view or the popular status quo of how people feel about certain athletes or teams or current events in sports, that's what gets the needle moving and that's what people want. They almost they almost want to hear a contrarian. Or somebody to say something you know against a certain group of men or against a certain belief system or certain reasoning or just something in favor of a certain team or against a certain team, depending on depending on if it's a supposed love team nationally or a hated team nationally. So, you know, there's been a lot of evolution in sports journalism, and I think right now it's kind of like when the kind of a TMZ slash you know shock factor age was like. What is the athlete doing twenty four seven? Or you know, we have surveillance from his latest, you know, uh, criminal offense. Or you know, um, I <laughs> host feel so strongly against this athlete or that athlete. It's just, and uh, one thing you notice about the N- the NFL and the NBA is, a lot of times you might see the same, you might see the same narrative. And they just replay it over and over and over. It's like, I'm tired of hearing certain narratives in the NBA, in the NFL. It's like, just wait for something to happen. Wait for some real news <laughs> instead of just keep talking about um, Trey Lance and how is I see a bust. It's like, wait for something to happen. You're talking about uh, James Harden and will he get traded and he always wants to leave his team. Like. You already knew that. <laughs> Wait for something to happen. Wait for some news instead of keep regurgitating the same thing over and over just to fill a, fill a time slot. And that's why with my podcast, I don't try to just oversaturate the market with sports news and sports takes. It's like I want y'all, when we listen to the podcast, I want y'all to enjoy the content. I want it to be something that is thought provoking, something that's, you know, a different perspective of what you might hear on national radio, national television. And some of these former athletes who are now athletes are the main sports journalists. If you look at the national level, basically, and the only people above athletes are 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 the few (laughs) small handful of non-athletes with these big opinions who are former sports journalists now, sports personalities and sports, you know, uh, sports uh, analysts, (laughs) if you want to call it that. But one thing about my show, I'm going to give you some sports news. I'm going to give you some of my opinions. And also, I'm going to give you what I feel is uh, a logical or reasonable <laughs> view of NFL week-to-week action and who I feel will win and why. And I'm, I'm confident in my picks. And I know for sure that my picks definitely are more greater or superior than a lot of these picks of these so-called know-it-alls. That y'all might see or hear on TV every day with their boastful opinions and loud voices, and when it comes to actually picking a game or who's going to win, or you know, not standing on a soapbox against a certain player or a certain organization, you know, I feel that my podcast and my show and what I bring as a content creator and sports journalist, I feel is superior to a lot of some of these, you know, big name, you know, station uh, you know, posts and everything like that. But, you know, that's for the people to decide, but that's just my humble opinion. And, you know, it's something that is something I enjoy doing and something I I was, you know, professionally and, you know, <laughs> trained for. And, you know, like I said, the sports news now is just different from when I fell in love with the um the industry and when I had aspirations of being on ESPN and that was something I was really interested in and just the, to, to reach that level and that pinnacle and then as things transpire with technology and branding and, you know, building a business and building a company, you get yourself in a position where you don't necessarily need them and they they become obsolete and they become second hand or second nature because people have other ways of consuming media and consuming content and they don't have to go through one or two channels who used to monopolize the, the footage of course and the access to these teams and these uh, organizations and these players so now it's an open ball game open market you just really have to cut through the noise cut through the so-called algorithm and you know reach people who are interested in what you're doing with your par- podcast or your platform or your show so i definitely appreciate everybody who listens to the show and in other sports news we have Skip Bayless reloading after Shannon Sharp left him with Undisputed to now re-up and get a whole staff of, <laughs> a whole staff, a whole roster of reoccurring, you know, reoccurring sports uh, pundits, former athletes, such as Rachel Nichols, who will probably be the host, uh, Lil Wayne coming in to give his opinions, Richard Sherman, who will be, I think, a more of a regular Keyshawn Johnson, who will probably be more of a regular, and Michael Irvin, who will probably come sometimes, and also to have Ocho Ocho from the uh, Fox Sports shows, and also Nick Wright. So Skip Bayless coming back with Undisputed, and undisputedly, he has a nice roster of former athletes and sports, you know, journalists and analysts who can help him continue his undisputed show now that Shannon Sharp has left to make some moves of his own, which we'll cover later in the show. And other news, we have Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. Was he alienating some of the wide receivers and you know some of the players had went to head coach Ron Rivera and said, you know, you need to talk to him. What's he doing to us? We talk a lot of, sh- you know, talk a lot of shit with he coaching us. I don't like this dude. <laughs> and Ron Rivera even went so far as during the preseason to speak on it to the media, which he probably shouldn't have. What he said, well, you know, some of the guys came and talked to me about Eric and this and that. It's like, man, can not the players come snitch to you about the coach because he coaching too hard? And then Eric the enemy definitely spoke up and. Some of the former players who was under Eric Benamy spoke out as well just saying you know, when he talks to you like that, it's because he wants you to get better and it's because he, he cares and he, he loves you and he wants you all to win. He wants you all to be successful. So coming from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Washington Commanders, it's a big difference. And it's going to take some good coaching. It's going to take them to be on point and be focused and be energetic and understand the concepts and the routes and what he's trying to teach you and the things you have to bring on the field to try to, Reach that kind of level of success that he had with the Kansas City Chiefs because it's not going to be that easy. It's it's a different team, it's different players, it's different personalities, and they're going to have to see what can they, what they can do with their you know with their quarterback and their receiving core, which they have a few weapons here and there. So we we'll see what the Eric Bieniemy offense looks like for the Washington Commanders this year. Speaking of offense. A lot of people was taking offense to Brock Purdy and saying, "Will he be able to come back good? Is he gonna be the same play he was last year?" And what's going on with the 49ers quarterback room? And this and it was just like a, a such a regurgitated storyline over and over day after day. It's like Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold and Trey Trey Lance, and this like doing this every day. And it's like now nah, that Brock Purdy is coming back from the injury. And he has a chance to play in some preseason games. People can see he did not miss a step. He's still sharp. He's still on point. Still got the quick release, decisive. He knows what he's doing out there. So for all these people who was talking on what is the 49ers doing and this and that, and how they, they made a big mistake when they got Trey Lance, it's the better quarterback won the job. <laughs> the better quarterback got the position. It's like Trey Lance was more athletic. He was more physically gifted. But as a quarterback, Brock Purdy was more of a complete quarterback. He had the experience. He had the resume. He was a starter for four years in college. And regardless of where he was drafted, he was talented. And the thing about some of these quarterback evaluations, they evaluate these quarterbacks who are on these championship teams who had a roster that was stacked and full of talent. So when they get to the NFL, they don't have that same kind of talent and that same kind of elite five, four-star athlete because they're the elite college team they can't perform well. So he was the last pick in the draft, but he was talented. So he can come into the system of a Shanahan and adapt to it and continue to be successful and do what he does as a quarterback. And he's in a good system with talented players. So he doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting, but he definitely does his part. So Rob Purdy, boy to men, <laughs> And the other side of that is Trey Lance. And now there's things coming out of coach giving him a day off to decide if he wants to stay with the team or if he wants to seek a trade. So they're giving him the open door to say, well, you know, you don't want to be the third string quarterback. And right now that's where you at. So do you want to stay here or do you want to try to go somewhere else to see if you can compete to be a starting quarterback? And right now it seems that they're not sure if he's going to stay or if he's going to go. But Trey Lance has that opportunity to maybe, maybe take his destiny in his own hands and say, well, I want to try to go to this team, maybe I can you know, work my way into the roster or come inside a certain package they set aside for me or something because the 49ers are letting it be known this is Brock Purdy's team as far as quarterback-wise, and Trey Lance is not in the future plans. And they did give up a lot for him to, to get him, but once they got him, he did not return that value of what was given up to acquire him, which, tra- which uh, Brock Purdy... Returned his value as the last pick in the draft and tenfold to almost basically a first round draft pick status of at least first or second round draft pick status of performance and potential. Whereas Trey Lance's stock has went down and it doesn't help that when your team is telling you, do you want to go home and think about this for a day? we might try to trade you, like, y'all already sending him home, so it's almost like he's already halfway at the door. Like, y'all just telling him, like, yeah, man, see, see go talk to your agent. <laughs> see what y'all can work out, man. Get back to us tomorrow. So, we'll see what happens with Trey Lance and the 49ers, and what they try to deal him, but they could have been dealt him earlier in the preseason. Maybe they wanted to give him one last go around in the preseason to see if he would have been able to impress them or change their opinion of him. But now that they've seen what they've seen, they decided they're going to let go of Trey Lance and see what they can probably get for him. Maybe a late round pick or some future something. Or We'll see. But uh where would Trey Lance be a good fit? And where could he get a fresh start? Maybe Tampa Bay Bucks or their, who knows. We'll see. And then we have a Texans owner being sued for a sexual assault. One of the minority owners of the Houston Texans. So this is one of the stories that of course gets swept under the rug. So if you know the inside story... Or well, if you don't know, you may want to do some Googles on a Texans owner of the NFL team being sued for rape or sexual assault. He's a minority owner, but he does still have some skin in the game. <laughs> and then we have a few running backs still lingering out there. Still out there like stragglers at, after the club let out. <laughs> Trying to see who they, whose car they're going to get into or who they're going home with. Because... As the NFL week one approaches, there's maybe a few injuries in the preseason to running backs, or these players may end up going into the regular season without being signed yet and signed later on in the season once they got a chance to see which teams is coming out strong and want to make a good playoff push and want to be a part of a winner, or these running backs aren't really drawing that much interest, but... I do believe that Kareem Hunt is drawn some pretty decent interest. And also, Linda Fournette did have some team visits, I know, to the Patriots at least. So, we'll see. And um, other teams making some connections with some teams. Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott coming over from the Cowboys to the Patriot Wave Patriots. So how will Belichick and the organization offensively, Bill O'Brien, how will they implement Ezekiel Elliott into the Patriots game plan? Will he be more of a short yardage, change of pace, power back? Will they put him at fullback sometimes with Ramondre Stevenson? We'll see. But it seems like a nice pickup. You know, Belichick's likely to get those seasoned veterans late in their career and kind of see if he can resurrect them a little bit. And highlight what they're good at. So, we'll see how everything goes with Ezekiel Elliott joining the New England Patriot way. And other running backs making some visits and also some signing here. Because I want to be a winner. <laughs> it's going to be Dalvin Cook, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings. Skull. Whatever. <laughs> oh, whatever it is. Was cold What's <laughs> up? Dalvin Cook now joining the stack. New York Jets with the uh, Aaron Rodgers under the helm and Robert salar Super strong defense. Also stars of the NFL show. Uh, the NFL training camp show. Y'all know what I'm talking about behind the scenes show. Hard knocks. So so far they had they've had some preseason action, but uh uh. I think Aaron Rodgers will only play in the season finale of the preseason. So that'll be the first time fans can see him actually interacting with his teammates. And we will see how Aaron Rodgers performs with the New York Jets as we come closer to the regular season. Maybe he will perform a drive or two or maybe a quarter or two. At least the first half. We'll see. Other veterans signing in the NFL include Jadavion Clowney signing with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And Jadavion Clowney is a nice addition to that Baltimore Ravens defense already with Rick Juan Smith and also now having some injuries on the back end with Marlon Humphrey. So uh, having Jadavion Clowney definitely Help with, the, help with the run stopping and he can also get after the quarterback and get some hits on the opposing quarterbacks as well so nice addition for Jadeve and Clowney to join the Ravens and they also have a nice high powered offense this year so look for the Ravens to do some things in that AFC and other NFL news the Menzel mania continued as Johnny Menzel was recently featured on his Netflix special where they highlighted his rise and fall as College Heisman winner with the University, well Texas A&M University, and also coming into the NFL and the Browns and things that he was doing behind the scenes, selling his autograph and you know the party and you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think that was an interesting story. But we think we all really saw it unfold, you know, here and there. And he stayed in the media. He stayed in. He stayed in the media, he stayed in the spotlight, he enjoyed the celebrity, he enjoyed the attention, and he enjoyed the, the things that was afforded to him as an athlete, but it didn't seem like he enjoyed or loved the game as much as he would have needed to, and he didn't have the discipline also. But he was a long line of, we'll just say, light skin or pale, <laughs> pale quarterback's, and I mean, some of these guys—they was just hyped to the heavens. They was going to be the next best thing, and so many analysts loved them. And it was Manziel. It was Baker Mayfield falls into there, which he had, did have some solidification of his some of some of his hype. Also, Tim Tebow was in there, and in, in the NFL, he had no solidification of his hype. There was one game or one season where he did take the take the Broncos to a playoff victory. But other than that, there was just a lot of hype but no substance or no ROI to these, some of these quarterbacks that they kind of overhype and try to make them the next best thing. And it happens to, to you know, some other quarterbacks with these national championship teams and then they get to the NFL and then you really can see if they can... Process if they can read defenses, if they can have chemistry with the receivers, if they can be quick decision makers, if they can be a leader of men, if they want to be dedicated to the game and studying film and learning their playbook and bonding with teammates. And it's not—it's not always in a lot of these quarterbacks. You know, some of these quarterbacks that come from these top-tier schools, when they reach the NFL, they don't always—they don't always. don't always make it so to see the evolution and uh you know progression of Brock per i think that should speak volumes to scouting and finding diamonds in the rough as a organization because you have some of these quarterbacks that come out the college ranks and they're just so hyped and so you know so boosted, and so you know, he's it, he's the next best thing, and he's this and me that. But they couldn't, they a lot of them could not hold a candle to Brock Purdy, and a lot of them end up being journeyman backups who never really have to play for more of a two or three game stretch. Where this guy has come in is the last pick in the draft and solidified himself, and now it's come back from an injury where everybody was so worried and so. Curious of the 49ers quarterback position, and everybody is so bent on bashing Trey Lance. Like the man got hurt, and the man was not the most seasoned quarterback. And the team knew this about him when they drafted him. But they wanted him for that athleticism. I think there was gonna be an offense more catered to him and zone read and, you know, RPOs, and he was gonna be that kind of like a RG3 or like a Colin Kaepernick or like a a Cam Newton but because he had those injuries and because you know he may not have progressed as fast as Shanahan wanted him to in the the system they weren't able to let him you know become that that kind of weapon where at the same time Brock Purdy just came in and took it by storm so there have been a lot of (laughs) great white hype quarterbacks Around that size, <laughs> around that skill set, but um, Brock Purdy has—he blows out, he blows a Manziel out the water, he blows a, a Tim Tebow out the water, it, he blows a—he blows it right now. He blows a Baker Mayfield out the water, and this is about NFL productivity. It's just a matter of what will his legacy be, or what will his career play out to be now that we've seen this young, talented quarterback come in and be confident and be effective and be what the 49ers need. And that's what a lot of the, I guess, scrutiny had been about because the 49ers thought they needed the athleticism and the you know performance of a Trey Lance based off of his college resume. But now they come to find out they have what they need in Brock Purdy at a lesser price, more of a value, and he's he's up there with the top quarterbacks in the league, just like that. So, interesting scouting and inf- interesting story with the 49ers, and um, also an interesting story with the uh, Michael Orr, blindsided by the white family who adopted him. Now, this is something that this goes back many many decades, <laughs> many many. Many many generations, the old black person taken in or (laughs) helped (laughs) by white people who end up saving them and taking them to the promised land where all the milk and honey (laughs) is. And I remember when this movie came out, and it's like this was around the time when they was dropping like a slave movie every week. (laughs) <laughs> and it was just like they want you to stay in that mindset of yeah, we you know we helped y'all and we did this for y'all and you know y'all worked for us and this and that and we took this big black dude in the house and we helped him because without us he wasn't gonna be nothing and we whipped him into shape and got him into the old Miss. <laughs> and when you hear stuff like this, you gotta take it with a grain of salt <laughs> because now. As time goes by, and as the truth comes out, we see Michael Orr was not even adopted by this white family. They signed a conservatorship on him so they could be in control of his finances and certain contracts and things of that nature that would future be presented to him. But he had no mental issues or he was not necessarily in a position where he would need someone to be in charge of his finances or make financial decisions on his behalf. So it's almost like on They have power of attorney over him while he was still capable of handling his own business and being his own attorney. So it was really some backroom bullshit. And then the, the, the movie comes out and, you know, they make it into a feel good story. <laughs> like, yeah, it feels good for you. If you, if you, it feels good for you. If you white, <laughs> you're going to watch this movie, and you're going to live vicariously through these people. (laughs) And then you're going to say, you know what? I helped a black person like that one time. (laughs) Remember, so-and-so, I helped a black person just like that one time. And I helped him become somebody. (laughs) And I made him who he is today. So now this man is coming out with his own book about his own life and things he's been through. And yes, he did come from a, a rough background. And yes, they did help him in a sense, of course, of taking him in shelter. But supposedly, he was on the dean's list of old men so he wasn't a slow. He wasn't, he didn't not have, you know, physical academic aptitude. He was, he was somebody who was already on the road to, he was already an All-American in high school, so he was already going to be highly, highly regarded, and coming out of school as a top-notch recruit, so... For Ole Miss to get him, that was good. They 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 received something out of that, too. It wasn't like a one-way thing. It wasn't like he was a walk-on. He was somebody who could come in there, and you see he ended up making the NFL. So maybe the father saw his wife kind of like thinking about helping the young black man out, which is, you know, that was considerate of them. And maybe the father just thought, well, look, I could try to get him to go to my alma mater, and I'll be his so-called agent, because I'm helping him, and I'm adopting him, even though he's 18, <laughs> it's like, you can't, you can't make this up, man, it it's, it's was a perfect movie for Hollywood, but now the true story has to come out with his book, and, you know, him giving back a lot of his rights, and conservatorship things that they took away from him, and they said the movie made so much, and the family was paid so much, but he didn't get so much, or if did he get anything, so... This story was super messy, super ugly, and now the truth finally comes out after all these years, and that's that's why it's like some people want to help you, some people want to help themselves, so it's a difference, and that's what it is. And speaking of helping themselves, Shannon Sharp is now going to ESPN to help himself. He will be joining ESPN poster boy. <laughs> Stephen A on first take. And uh, I would imagine he may even get a spot sometime on NFL Live or NFL Countdown for the um, Monday night games or things of that nature. Probably even on SportsCenter, you know, they like to put personalities in the car wash. <laughs> and, you know, as Barkley said, they'll have you on every show. So shout out to Shannon Sharp taking his talents from Fox Sports and Undisputed to ESPN and also his podcast Club Shay which was doing some great numbers, will be seen and featured on the Volume Network, which is owned by or founded by Colin Cowherd. So Shannon taking two different aspects of his entertainment, his person as personality, going to ESPN, and his podcast show Club Shay going to the Volume Sports Network. Shout out to Shannon Sharp making moves out there. And speaking of making moves, when it comes down to the NFL 2023 season, these are my teams, I feel, will be making moves. in the AFC, top nine teams, in my humble opinion, top nine or ten teams. Got to start with the Chiefs. So, Chiefs, I feel, definitely going to be there in the playoff time. Top-notch offense, top-notch coaching, quarterback play. Receiving core, tight end, top notch. So, running game, versatility of players. So, Chiefs are going to be there. Just now, especially with the addition of Dalvin Cook, just with Aaron Rodgers, tight, top flight receivers, speed, super strong, stout, sturdy defense, coaching, just going to be there. So, then we got the Ravens now coming on finally with a Top flight offense, top flight, top notch receivers. Offensive coordinator who's aggressive. Lamar Jackson ready for it. After, you know, more run heavy. Now it's going to be more, I think, spread out and more explosive. So look for the Ravens. And now they're getting some help on defense with, you know, Jadavion Clowney joining, you know. It's going to be a nice unit for that Ravens te- defense and team. Also, look out for the Bengals, the Bills, the Titans, the Dolphins. Definitely look out for the Dolphins. And they've been in so-called discussions, maybe, to try to get Jonathan Taylor. We'll see. Look out for the Chargers and Jaguars and maybe the Patriots. Maybe. Just maybe. But we'll see. And in my NFC top, NFC 9 teams? Got to start with those Eagles. They're just two too tough on paper. Offense, defense, they got it all, and they're going to be there. Cowboys also looking impressive on on paper, and also they have the weapons in place this year. We'll just see how they perform. Then we have the Seahawks on the rise. We have the Saints with, you know, Carr coming over from the Vegas Raiders. Saints have some nice weaponry at receiver, and we have the Commanders. Of course, we got the 49ers. We got the Lions. We got the Vikings, so those are my top NFC teams, and stay tuned for part two of the Rob View Sports Stew Show NFL Week 1 Picks for NFL 2023, so keep it locked. Check one, check two. I'm the inca slash rapper that you never thought would happen. Commentary every they're cracking like pads when they start whacking. Applaud like studio audience audio. It's to Rob You Sports to Show. Is that so? I got what you want. The NFL mixed with hip hop phone. And spitting sport news. Cause here's the blues like you're and your team, you know they would lose. Don't get it confused. I'm like Calm, mixed with Uncle Screws. Make duck, get bucks, watch chicks Club what shine like wine from water? Wait, grapes. R.I.P. Stu with Scott, DeLake. great. Welcome back to the Rob U Sports Stu Show, NFL 2023, going into Week One. So let's take an early look at the picks. I know there's still a few lingering free agents out there, and they definitely, some of them definitely could, you know, potentially improve a team's offense or defense, depending on where they, where they go and where they plugged in at, but. In this Rob U Sports Do show, Season 6, Episode 3, we're going to look at all of the Week 1 picks from my perspective of which team I feel will be able to get the W and how I think these teams, matchups, and games are going to play out. So without further ado, let's get into it. Thursday, September 7th, Detroit Lions at Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, Detroit has been one of those teams on the rise with a strong defense and now acquiring some key draft picks and offensive weapons to go along with a strong sturdy defense and good defensive coaching some more weapons for Jared Goff and also improved running game and some receiving weapons. So against Kansas City, who we know is going to be a high potent, high powered offense, always going to be definitely pushing the ball downfield with Pat Mahomes. We'll sprinkle in the running game, but definitely got to watch Kelsey and also have to watch those, those wide receivers of the Kansas City Chiefs. They're all fast, they all catch, and they all <laughs> can be targeted and hit by Pat Mahomes. But in this game, I'm going to go with the upset unconventional Detroit 24 over Kansas City Chiefs 23. I know some people may doubt the ability of the Lions to pull this off. but I think it will be a good game, definitely, but it's the aspect of the defense versus the offense and that Detroit Lions defense may do some things to kind of get Kansas City a little off balance or out of rhythm and then the Detroit Lions has an improved offense that I think may be able to get some scores against that Kansas City defense. So definitely be a good game, one of my games of the week. Now, let's look at Sunday, September 10th, Carolina at Atlanta. I'll say Carolina 27, Atlanta 17 with that strong Carolina defense running game. And also, the new rookie being sprinkled in there as well, Bryce Young. And how will he be deployed? What will be his you know, script of plays and schemes and concepts they're going to focus on with him? Well, we'll see. And... With the Falcons, I think that they still have to probably get that offense a little more on track, but I'm looking forward to seeing what their rookie running back will be able to do in his debut. But I'll say Caroline 27, Atlanta 17. And then with Arizona at Washington, Arizona may possibly be without Kyler Murray for a little while until he feels he's ready to play. Also, the Washington. Commander Redskins now with new ownership. How will they come out with the debut of, you know, week one, 2023 season now with new ownership, new vibes and optimism. Also, Eric B. in the fold as offensive coordinator, coming with Juan Rivera that in that defensive mind. So, I believe that. Carolina, I'm sorry, I believe that the Washington Commanders will defeat the Arizona Cardinals with a final score of Washington 30, Arizona Cardinals 13. And then we have Cincinnati Bengals going to take on the Cleveland Browns, the Battle of Ohio. And I believe that Cincinnati's offense will be able to keep pace with the Browns, who now will have Deshaun Watson with a full offseason to get better acclimated with his team and get that chemistry with the receiving core. But I think Cincinnati 20, Cleveland Browns 16, but it should be a close game. Then we have Houston Texans going to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Now with that revamp offense, bringing in Todd Moken to go with Lamar Jackson and all of the things he can do. Also bringing in OBJ, new receivers, young receivers, talented receivers. So it's going to be a new look Baltimore offense going against houston and now with their new rookie quarterback will cj stroud get the nod or will they go for some experience and we'll see how it turns out but in this game i do believe that baltimore ravens will defeat the houston texans with a final score of baltimore 34 houston 17 and then we have the jacksonville jaguars going to take on the indianapolis coast jacksonville now with trevor lawrence getting into his stride as a quarterback and leading that offensive team with that strong defense. And also the Colts bringing in Anthony Richardson, rookie quarterback, the athleticism and versatility. And, um, you know, they've been having some defensive problems with their running game and the running back, you know, not being compensated as he would want to and going back and forth with the owner. But in this game, I do believe that, Jacksonville will defeat the Colts with a final score of Jacksonville, 30, Indianapolis Colts, 26. And then we have San Fran taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. San Fran with that strong offense and defense. And Pittsburgh with that strong defense offense coming around. How will their quarterback be in this now as he gets a little more experience with the Steelers offense? And would that Pittsburgh defense be able to shut down that 49ers run game and pass game? Well, I think it'll be a close slug it out game. Very physical. Lots of hits and a f- lots of action as well. i go San Fran 19 over Pittsburgh 17. But this will be a good game. And then we have Tampa Bay going to take on the Minnesota Vikings. Tampa Bay now without Tom Brady bringing in Baker Mayfield and also quarterback competition. And then we have Minnesota Vikings letting go of Dalvin Cook and now. Cousins and Jefferson forming that tandem, at quarterback and receiver. So, Tampa Bay, I believe, will fall to the Vikings with a final score. Tampa Bay 20, Minnesota Vikings 29. And then we have Tennessee Titans now with DeAndre Hopkins in the fold. Going to take on those New Orleans Saints now with Derek Carr in the fold. So, I believe this will be a nice game. And also, Tennessee... We'll make it close with New Orleans, but I'll say New Orleans 27 over Tennessee 23, but this will be a good one. Then we have Green Bay going to take on the Bears. Green Bay now with Jordan Love leading the offense and also Chicago Bears bringing in some weapons to go along with Justin Fields. And a lot of people have some, I believe, optimism for the Bears this year. We'll see how Green Bay goes forward with Love and the play calling and what he's being asked to do. And how will the team develop cohesion and chemistry now without Aaron Rodgers and his love, you know, comes into the forefront as offensive leader and QB general? Well, I believe it'll be a close high-scoring game, and I'll say Green Bay 31 falling to the Bears 33 and a close high-scoring game, what we'll see. And then we have the Los Angeles Rams going to take on the Seattle Seahawks. These teams know each other well two NFC West opponents both with nice histories and resumes for recent success and with the Rams how will Matt Stafford be in this offense and with the Seahawks will Geno Smith be able to continue the good things he was showing last year and how would that Seahawks defense be and how would that Rams secondary be now without Jalen Ramsey well I'll say Seattle over the Rams Seattle 26 over Los Angeles Rams 17 this also will be a good game in my opinion we have the Vegas Raiders going to take on the Broncos, Vegas Raiders bringing in Garoppolo to go along with McDaniels, and also having that same kind of problems and beef as the Indianapolis Colts and their running back, the Las Vegas Raiders, and also Josh Jacobs not seeing eye-to-eye on contracts and you know franchise tags. So then we'll see how the Broncos will be with now Russell Wilson. And Sean Payton as head coach and QB duo. But in this game, I do believe that the Broncos will get back to some winning ways. 31 over the Vegas Raiders, 24. But this will be a good one. And then we have Miami Dolphins going to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers having that high-flying offense with Herbert and also a nice receiving core. And then Eckler, also another running back who's disgruntled and reworking some negotiations to get things more in his favor of his compensation. But the Miami Dolphins with Tua bringing in some additional weapons at receiver and also bringing in Jalen Ramsey, who's injured right now. Well, i say Miami will defeat the Chargers with a final score. Miami 34 over Chargers 30. And then we have the Miami, then we have the Philadelphia Eagles going to take on the New England Patriots. Philadelphia coming off that Super Bowl loss, showing so much Potency and potential with that offense and the way the team plays as a unit defensively and all those star players. And New England still probably trying to find their way with young Matt Jones and how will he could be with this offense now. With new offensive coordinator who is more seasoned and experienced, Bill O'Brien. And how will Belichick's defense be? Also bringing in rookie cornerback Christian Gonzalez. And in this game, I believe that Philadelphia will be able to hold off New England for a late comeback, with Philadelphia winning 30 over the Patriots 24, and then in Sunday Night Football we have Dallas with so much going on and so much acquisitions, bringing in Brandon Cook at receiver and also bringing in Stephon Gilmore on the defensive back end, and then the New York Giants with so much going on with their decision to reward Mac sorry, um, to reward Dan, Don, Daniel Jones and also not give Saquon a long-term or lucrative contract as opposed to the franchise tag. And now, you know, they had some back and forth and they were able to kind of negotiate some things and work some things out. But also, in this game, I don't think that Giants will be able to compete with the Dallas Cowboys with so much weaponry and now improved defense and offense. Dallas 29 over the Giants 16. And in the Monday Night Football finale we have buffalo at new york giants new york jets i say buffalo 23 over the jets 34 i'm sorry jets 34 over the buffalo bills 23 in aaron Rodgers' debut so we'll see and this concludes another episode of the rob sports do show don't forget to like comment and subscribe peace and i see you on the next be blessed